Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. The prophethood of the Holy Prophet went through a number of stages. The first stage as we examined before was a semi-private stage in which it was not yet an open public invitation. It was not yet even a public obligation yet to join the religion of Islam. The Prophet wanted to give people time to digest those teachings, to reflect, to prepare the believers for the upcoming challenges. So the first stage was a semi-private stage the Prophet would receive revelation, he would read verses, but usually he would read them to the believers only. He would not go publicly, stand before Quraysh, invite them to the religion of Islam, command them to join him and read verses. So the first three years or so, we can say that it was of this stage, a semi-private stage. The second stage, of the Prophet's prophethood came when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed him to invite his relatives, his kinship, specifically to come and join the religion of Islam. Then, alaykum salam the third stage was the public stage in which Allah commands the Prophet to go fully public with his mission and invite everyone and it was in this third stage that you really had the clashes between the pagans and between those early Muslims. In the first two stages, there weren't many clashes because it was pretty much semi-private. It was low profile. Let's examine now the second stage of the Prophet's prophethood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals a verse in the Holy Quran in Surah Ash-Shu'ara, Verse 214, God commands the Prophet to invite his relatives to become Muslim. Now why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala command the Prophet to start with his relatives first in the second stage? For a number of reasons, first of all it's to show that he's genuine, he's honest, he's, he's sincere, and so you would naturally start with your relatives because you care about your relatives. If you're not, you know, someone who's fraudulent, who's deceptive, then you'll start with those whom you love, those who are close to you. That actually shows you're genuine. Number two, the Prophet really wanted them to have the honor of supporting him. You want your family to support you, so God blesses them with such an honor. That's the second reason. The third reason, it shows that the Prophet did not really, you know, have double standards. He started with his family and when his family, his own relatives rejected him, the Prophet condemned them and he took a firm stance towards them. That shows that the Prophet didn't have double standards. Most people have double standards. If it's your family, you'll make exceptions for them fine, you'll be, you know, gentle with them, but when it comes to other people, you're very tough on them. 
The Prophet showed that I started with my family, my own family. When they rejected, I took a different stance towards them. The Prophet was demonstrating to his society that he's working for God. He's not operating based on a tribal mentality that my relatives have a special status. No, even if my own uncle stands in the way of truth, defies God, I'll condemn him like Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab is the very uncle of the Prophet. God reveals a verse in the Holy Quran condemning him. Why does God do that? Well, there were many people who fought the Prophet. God didn't even mention their names. Why did God mention Abu Lahab specifically? To demonstrate to that society that the Prophet is objective, he's not biased, he does not have double standards. Even if it's his own uncle who's going to defy God, he'll condemn him. So it's not like the Prophet made us, you know, this exception for his family. It's okay, you can still not believe in God, you can still fight God, but I'll still be good with you. No, that doesn't work that way. So this was another reason why God commanded the Prophet to start with his own relatives. Now how did that happen? How did the Prophet invite his relatives? Tabari, a Sunni scholar, in his historical book, in his tarikh, narrates an interesting hadith. And we have also narrated this hadith. When this verse was revealed, the Prophet called on Imam Ali, who was young at the time, you know, who was 14, maybe 15, 13. He called on him and he told him to prepare a meal tomorrow. I want you tomorrow to prepare dinner. Then invite all the progeny of Abdul Muttalib, the Prophet's grandfather. So go to my uncles, our uncles, the cousins, right? All of them, invite them for a dinner. We want to see them and have a gathering. So the Imam salam prepares the food. He invites about 40 of them from the progeny of Abdul Muttalib. So the uncles and the cousins, around 40 of them. Abu Lahab was invited, Abbas was invited, Abu, Tal Abu Talib was invited, all of them were invited to this invitation. The Imam السلام, he prepares the food, he brings the food, um, it was a part of the lamb, a slice of lamb meat that he offered it to them and then once they had that lunch or dinner, the Prophet commanded him to bring the milk, so there was a container that had some milk in it, he came and he gave them that milk, so they could all drink. Now when the Prophet wanted to talk, he was about to say something, his uncle Abu Lahab cut him off. Why? The hadith by Tabari states, there was a miracle that happened there. What was the miracle? You had 40 men, and remember when you have 40 men, they're going to eat a lot of food. They're going to drink a lot of milk if everyone wants to drink to the point where they're full. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib السلام, says, the meat that I prepared, that lamb meat, was just a slice of, of, of lamb. You know, like one leg of a sheep. And he says, I swear by God, those 40 men ate from that lamb. Each of them ate to the point where they became full. The Imam says, according to Tabari, that in normal circumstances, if you give that meat to one of them, they could eat it by themselves. They could finish it by themselves. One man could eat that meat. 
Same with the milk. There was some milk in a container. The Imam says one of those men could drink all that milk. But 40 of them drank from that milk, yet it did not finish. It was a miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala performed. So there was very little food, very little milk, but all of the 40 ate from that food, they drank from that milk, and it was sufficient, it was enough. So they saw the miracle, like what's going on, you know, what's this miracle? So when the Prophet wanted to talk and tell them why they put this invitation together, Abu Lahab cut him off. Abu Lahab, Abu Lahab, early on he was against the Prophet. What did Abu Lahab say? Abu Lahab said, look you Bani Hashim, the family of the Prophet, don't be fooled by this magician. He accused his own nephew, the Prophet, of being a sorcerer and a magician. Because they saw the miracle. They were going to tell him, Abu Lahab, you know, don't, didn't you see the miracle? This little food was enough for all of us. This little amount of milk was enough for all of us. So before anyone would say that, what did he say? He took the initiative and he said, don't be fooled by this magic. And look at the division that he's created in our society, you know, through by this religion. When he cut him off and he said that, the Prophet was very disturbed. He realized this is not the appropriate time to talk. So he did not say anything. They left. He told Imam Ali salam, invite them again. Have them come tomorrow and let's give them the same food and the same drink. So he extended to them another invitation. The same people who were present came. This time, as soon as they finished, the Prophet gave a speech. Tabari narrates that speech. What did he say? Ya Bani Abdul Muttalib. Oh, the sons of our grandfather Abdul Muttalib. I swear by God, no man in the history of your society has brought to you something that is better than what I have to offer to you, meaning the religion of Islam. So realize that this is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I am bringing to you, I'm delivering to you the best of both worlds. The best of dunya, this world, and the best of akhirah. This is a religion that will actually make your world better and your akhirah. And subhanAllah, the Prophet was truthful because these ignorant people, they didn't realize that if they support the Prophet, right, they'll get positions. Naturally, if you support the Prophet and God will give him victory, and they saw the miracle, so they knew that God will give him victory, they would have had a good standing in that society, but they blew it away. So he told them, I'm delivering to you the best of both worlds. Then he told them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded me to invite you and to put this gathering, to put this meal. In another hadith he says, just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought a heavenly meal to the companions of Prophet Isa salam, God has instructed me to give you this meal. Why? This is a sign indicating that I am truthful, that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now that you've seen the miracle and you've seen the sign, if you disbelieve, like Abu Lahab did, God will subject you to severe punishment and chastisement. So this was the introduction that the Prophet gave. Okay, 
What do you have to say? You're inviting them to the religion of Islam, but then what is he, what is he supposed to say? Then the Prophet said, I am inviting you to become Muslim and I am asking you, which one of you is willing to support me and in return, he will be my brother, he will be my supporter and he will be my Khalifa, my heir, the one who will represent me after me. Is anyone willing or not? One hadith states, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib salam stood, when no one talked, everyone is looking at the Prophet, the Imam stood, the Prophet <coughs> signaled to him to sit down. Sallu ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. So according to this hadith, the Imam salam stood up, to accept the call of the Prophet, the Prophet signaled to him, let's, let's give them a chance. Let's see if any of them want to come forward. So the Prophet said that a second time. Is anyone willing to support me? And if you do, in return, you will become my Khalifa. My brother, my supporter and my Khalifa. Second time, no one got up. No one was willing to show their support for the Prophet. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib stood up the second time, the Prophet signaled to him, sit, let's give them another chance. The Prophet did this three times, three times he's asking his own family, the closest people to him, support me and in return you'll get a position, I'll give you a good position, you will be my Khalifa, none of them accepted. So the third time Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib stood at that young age, a young man, a youthful face, he said, I, Ya Rasulullah, accept to be your Khalifa. When the Imam salam said that, what did he say? Tabari narrates this hadith, Sunni scholar. He says the, Imam, the Prophet put his hand on the neck of Imam Ali, you know like you put your hand on the shoulder, he put his hand on the neck of the Imam and he says, Inna hadha akhi. This is my brother. He is my wasi, my successor and my khalifa amongst you. So you have to obey him. Listen to him and obey him. What did they do according to Tabari's version? They started laughing, they mocked the Prophet and they looked at Abu Talib, the father of Imam Ali who was there, they told him, oh Abu Talib, you see what your nephew is saying? Now from today you have to take orders from your son. And they started, you know, making a joke out of it. So Tabari narrates that this incident actually happened. Now we have from our sources the full text of the speech of what the Prophet said, it's a beautiful uh, speech. This hadith is called Hadith al-Dar, the hadith of the house. It's a very important hadith that demonstrates Imam Ali salam is the rightful Khalifa number one and number two it has challenged the Sunni schools of thought. When they come across this hadith they're challenged with it, they feel uneasy about it, they don't know what to make of it because it's a clear hadith that mentions the word Khalifa. See in Ghadir, 
the Prophet in the common version he says wali, right? Which is also an indication of Khilafah. So their argument, well he didn't specifically say Khalifa and I want the word Khalifa only. Okay, in Hadith al-Dar you have the word Khalifa. So what do you say about that? So they've been challenged by this. By the way, Tabari himself, the Sunni scholar who mentions this, he has two books. He has the encyclopedia of his history book, Tarikh al-Tabari. In Tarikh al-Tabari, he mentions this full hadith, quoting the Prophet saying that he is not only my brother and successor, but also Khalifa. Tabari also has tafsir of the Quran, tafsir al-Tabari. In tafsir al-Tabari, it appears that he realized this hadith is not good for him to mention, so he played with it a little bit. What did he do? When he quoted the Prophet holding Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib his neck, and he said, this is my brother, my supporter, my Khalifa, in his tafsir, what does he say? This is my brother and so and so. Kada wa kada. He deletes the words the Prophet uses. In which book? In his tafsir. Now in his tarikh, he gave us the full text, but subhanAllah, you see in his tafsir, he realized this is not a hadith that's compatible with their school of thought, so he had to change some words. And we and this is something that we find common in some of these sources. So, an yakuna akhi wa kada wa kada. But we have many, many sources for hadith al-dar. It's not just, you know, a tabari. Yes. Um, well, uh, one of the wordings that uh, I heard in the, uh, in the hadith al-dar uh, was just mentioned, um, that I think that current modern day Sunnis uh, have updated their arguments that they could use. Fi ahli? Sorry? Fi ahli, is that the argument? Yeah, the, the argument is that even at Ghadir, he could have been making the uh, argument that he's Mankuntu Mawla Fahada Ali Mawla, not for the Ummah, but just for within his family, within Bani Hashim. And maybe that's what he was mentioning over here in Hadith al because only they were invited to. And so he says, um, uh, he, that he's the brother uh, and the wasi after me and khalifati minkum. Yes, fikum, yes, among you. Yeah. They have made that argument that the Prophet wasn't clearly appointing him as the khalifa for everyone, for the ummah, just for his family. Our scholars have responded to that. First of all, according to Islamic law, we don't have two types of khalifas. You know, you're a khalifa for a, a certain group. Um, we don't have that. And no Prophet of God had a type of khalifa like that. We just have one Khalifa, either you're Khalifa or you're not the Khalifa. So in Islamic law, we don't have such Khilafa. And number two, we have a number of different wordings that are actually more general. And number three, if the Prophet is starting with his own family, those who fought him, and he's declaring Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib as the Khalifa that even his father Abu Talib has to listen to, then obviously he expects the Muslim Ummah to follow Ali ibn Abi Talib. Because when your own uncles who are older than Imam Ali, you're making it mandatory for them to obey him, which is difficult, right? Because when you're dealing with family politics, the elders of a family, they don't want to follow someone younger, right? Yet, God made that an obligation. Then this tells us that the Ummah, it's a given that they had to follow Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib So scholars have made a number of arguments to uh, respond to that. But we do have a number of uh, you know terms. So we see that you know Tabari in one book he mentions it, in another book he decides to omit uh, some 
some crucial details. Ibn Taymiyyah, you know, as he always does, the, the extremist Sunni scholar, he rejects this hadith, this is fabricated, this is forged, even though we have tens of sources. So according to Sunni schools of thought, this is actually a hadith that's mutawatir. It's a successive powerful hadith, but you know, they don't want to uh, give any, any virtue to Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam. Yes, it's, if you want to search for it, it's Hadith al-Dar. Usually it's known as Hadith al-Dar, the, the Hadith of the house, meaning the gathering that happened in this house. Now two points about this Hadith, some have posed this challenge to the Shia. They say, you Shia, you believe Abu Talib was faithful, right? Well, in Hadith al-Dar, he didn't support the Prophet. He kept quiet, he didn't stand and say, Ya Rasulullah, I'll support you. So that shows that he was just like these other uncles of the Prophet, he didn't believe. What's the answer to that? First of all, we have proofs that Abu Talib was faithful, we'll examine that later when we discuss Abu Talib's support for the Prophet Number two, Abu Talib at this time was old, he was in the later stages of his life, you know he passed away about five, six, seven years after this incident, so Abu Talib had grown old and he knew that he would not be the successor to the Prophet and he would not live after the Prophet for him, you know, to come and accept such a commitment. He already knew that. That's one response. Number two, Abu Talib knew that the Prophet was not addressing him specifically. He believed in the Prophet, he supported the Prophet. Even without saying that, Abu Talib gave everything to the Prophet. We'll see how he supported the Prophet and no school of thought will dispute that. Yes, they'll accuse him of not being a Muslim, he was a pagan but he supported the Prophet. So he gave his utmost support to the Prophet, but he knew that the Prophet did not expect him to be his Khalifa and it was not an obligation for him to be the Khalifa of the Prophet, so that's why he didn't say anything. Yes? Uh, about, uh, you mentioned that Abu Talib was old, so how about the other uncles of the Prophet? Weren't they old too? Abbas, no, Abbas was actually much younger. Abbas was one of the younger uncles of the Prophet, so no, he was not old. Many other cousins that, that who were present there, they were not old. Abu Talib was pretty old, but the others, they were younger than him. Okay, as for Hamza, there is a discussion whether he was included in this or not. Hamza was young, he was, you know, a few years older than the Prophet It seems that he should, he should have been in this gathering because the hadith says he gathered all of the sons of uh, Abdul Muttalib who were alive. Initially, initially Hamza, he never fought the Prophet, he never took a stance against the Prophet, but it took him a while to join the Prophet. So it seems that in that period he was neutral, he was still hearing verses from the Quran, he had heard about the Prophet's message, he had not made a decision to join yet. He didn't fight him like Abu Lahab did, he didn't support him early on like Abu Talib did, he was deciding and then later on he joins. We'll examine when Hamza will join the message of the Prophet. So it seems that he was there at the gathering, yes. We don't have evidence to say that he was not there at the gathering. So young, how could he get 
like ready for such a commitment because this is something like lifetime commitment that yes. you're, submit you're submitting to somebody that you'll obey their orders and uh, you're taking them as your master so this is a lifetime commitment and couldn't like some people may argue that uh, Ali wasn't rational at that time well, the fact that the Prophet accepted his commitment shows that the Prophet saw this commitment as a worthy commitment. Otherwise, the Prophet would have dismissed him. And he told him, look, you're young. That's not the commitment I'm looking for. When he held him by his neck and he announced him as the Khalifa and my brother and my supporter and my Khalifa amongst you, it means the Prophet found his commitment worthy. So that argument would not stand. Now the Prophet knew from the beginning that Imam Ali would be his successor, but he did not want to give anyone room to say, oh, you never gave us that opportunity. Why is Ali having all the virtues? We would have supported you too. No one could say that because the Prophet gave them that opportunity and none of them came forward. So it was actually to show that Imam Ali was the only qualified one. Even though the Prophet before this event, he knew that you know, they're not going to become his Khalifa. He knew that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him that knowledge. And in fact, in the speech he does hint that. He says, Allah has already told me who my Khalifa is. However, Allah has asked me to present this to you to see how you would react to this. So this is known as Hadith al-Dar. It's a very important Hadith which establishes the Khilafah of Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib salam. This happened around three years after the Ba'thah when the Prophet started receiving revelation about three years before he went public with his mission in the third stage of his mission he invited his family and he offered that to them but of course you know um, many of them did not believe in him and they did not accept to be his supporter and Khalifa. Uh, 